Hi, this is Craig Ansell with the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. We're continuing our three-part series, Your Career Growth Limitations. This is part two and episode 63. If you've not yet listened, go back and listen to episode 62 first to make sure you get maximum value out of this three-part series. We're going to cover listening skills as we begin. Welcome back. You're joining me in the middle of what is now a three-part series titled Your Career Growth Limitations. Listen in as we continue with part two. Now, the next thing to talk about with outward communication skills was also our listening skills. I mentioned that, but again, with the two ears, one mouth, when others are speaking, we truly need to listen twice as much as we talk. In fact, this reminds me of a famous quote, I believe it was from Stephen Covey, a well-known speaker and author. And he said something similar to, most people don't listen with the intent to understand. Let that sink in a minute. Most people don't listen with the intent to understand. Rather, they listen with the intent to reply. That's just so difficult to comprehend. I've caught myself in that actual situation before. I don't know if you have, but it's pretty common. It's difficult to become a very confident and strong listener. We have so much on our minds and with such a high-speed world, we just have so much to say. Work on your listening skills. The next time you have a conversation with someone, even if it's on a personal nature, try to improve upon that. Listen when they have something to communicate, and you could try a variety of things. The first could be that you would clarify a point that they brought up during the conversation. Rather than talk on about yourself or give a contrasting or similar situation that you faced when they bring up something, say, you know what, Craig, that's very interesting you mentioned getting a nail in your tire. How did it happen? Was there a particular place you were driving, maybe a construction zone that you felt that you might have picked this nail up at? And what you're doing there, although that was an odd topic to bring up, I happen to have a nail in my tire recently, so that was on my mind, which shows you also how how interruptions can occur even in your own head. (laughs) But the point is, is that Someone spoke about a particular topic, and then they engaged me back, exploring more and asking for more details. It certainly would make me feel validated if that were the true case, because I said, wow, this person's really a great listener and truly wants to know more about my situation. Now, if someone talks for a longer period of time because they're not aware of the 3P rule, and they haven't mastered pausing between their sentences or topics or points... Try to latch on to one, if not two, key points of the conversation. Kind of hold them in your mind. And then when there is that point, that time that you can interject, maybe there is a longer pause because they simply ran out of energy and had to take a break. You could go back and say, you know what? I appreciate you sharing all that. Earlier in the conversation, you mentioned X and Y. Would it be okay if we talk a little bit more about that because I'm interested? Or... 
you know what, earlier in the conversation, you brought up X and Y. I really wasn't too familiar with that. So could you explain a little bit more, maybe using different words? I think the other speaker at that point would really be pleased that you had those two key points that you raised and that they'd have the chance to elaborate further. So those were just a couple examples of areas about knowing your limitations, specifically about career growth. Because although we talked about personal conversations and personal situations, polishing up your communication skills can absolutely help in professional settings as well. You might not have the same heightened emotions, stresses, or potential anxiety speaking one-on-one to someone, whether it's a friend or family member, as you would when you're presenting to someone at work, to at school, or, you know, in certain situations where it's one-on-many, potentially in person or virtually. But again, you can draw from both situations, personal and professional, and intermix them for career growth. Next, I'd like to talk to you about what I'll call your deciphering or your decoding skills. That's when you pick up bits and pieces of information, whether it's spoken or written. Do you actually understand what the other person is communicating? If not, how do you go about clarifying that information? Or is there a chance that you might just ignore it or delete the message if it's an email because you really don't understand what they're asking for? I know I have over my years, and it's really not a best practice. What I found, though, years ago was when I ignored people's messages, rather questions, or ignored their emails, they would resend them because they felt that they weren't being heard. Sometimes the same email message was sent several times. I actually went back and looked and noticed all they did was copy, paste, and resend. It was clear to me that their deadline was approaching and their need for information was becoming more critical. I matured in that area and I picked up the phone and rather than respond by email stating that I was confused and didn't understand their message or their point, I had the conversation with them and they were so thankful actually that I called and it gave me an opportunity to hear their tones, their frustrations in their voice. And they used different keywords when they were speaking on the phone as opposed to that email. And I was able to understand what they were after, what they were interested in, as well as help them. Also, it did give me the opportunity to apologize for taking such a long time to get back to them. So about your deciphering and decoding skills, that's a key role with communication. If you don't know what you're being asked to take on a task, project, or some type of big program, make sure you have absolute clarity. Go back to whoever assigned it, or go back to the author of the document that you're reading and ask for more information. Next, once you have your deciphering and decoding skills kind of on the lockdown, it would be to talk about your processing skills. Once you've understood what is being asked of you, what the end goal is, right? Keeping the end game in mind. You need to be able to process that information. What do you do with it now that you have it? Is it something that it was good to know and you can store away in your files? Is it something that you'll need again so you might need to reference, perhaps put into a a specific folder such as company process, or maybe you create a training folder because there's some specific information you might need in a future event? 
From there, after you've processed what you need to do with that, potentially respond to someone or call a meeting to get some information and facts to reply to this person requesting it, you need to have decision-making skills. Once you know what is needed from you, it's really important that you make decisions. It's way too easy in today's world to be overwhelmed, as I said, from information and simply to procrastinate. I have a very good friend that has a phrase he taught me, and I don't know where he learned it, but he said, why do today what you can put off until tomorrow? Why do today what you can put off until tomorrow? I thought that would be appropriate for this portion of the podcast because many of us may struggle with making decisions. We might not know how to make the decisions. We might not know we're empowered or authorized to make those decisions when it comes to work. Or we could be afraid of making decisions. Anxiety and fear could creep up and cause us to be inactive, to make indecisions, rather. By making no decision, you've made a decision not to make a decision. Boy, that was a bunch of words. From there, it's all about the action-taking. Will you take the action? Is it in your wheelhouse, your knowledge base, your skill set? When you were hired on into your role, there may have been something such as a work description or a different term called a DOR, a Division of Responsibility. Does this particular request for action fall within your Division of Responsibility, or would it be better forwarded to others and you notify the sender or the requester that you feel others would be suited to solve that problem or answer that question? As long as you communicate to the originating member of the request, what you're doing and why you're doing it, along with communicating clearly to the person you're forwarding the information to, I don't see that that would be a problem. But one thing you could do that would be a little bit challenging would just take that message, let's say it's an email, and forward it to someone. If you say, if you just forward it and say, hey, for you, or take a look at this, that's not really clear at all. I would rather there be a very clear description of what you're asking of the person you're sending the email to, as well as informing the person that sent it. It's always great to follow up by phone to make sure that the originator knows what's going on, and also, you might want to follow up to the person you sent the email because this was a bit of an unusual request. You received an email or a request specifically targeted to you. For some reason, the requester thought you'd be the person that would be able to fill out that content and resolve that matter for them, but it turns out you're not. Either, again, you don't have the knowledge, you don't have the experience, or it's simply not your uh, area of expertise or department. So there, you've made a decision by decoding the information, you've deciphered what was in there, and you decided, using your processing skills, to forward it along. Then, going back to our original part, the communication skills play a key role. Because you don't want to assume sending someone an email will take care of it just by forwarding it to them. It's possible that the original email may be too lengthy. It may not even be written well enough to understand fully. It could be worth following up with the original requester first before forwarding that email so that you could say, here's the situation I have. I understand from your email the following two or three key points. Can you confirm with me those were your intentions for your request? Okay, good. Next, 
I really don't feel that I have the knowledge or expertise to handle this. However, John in Department 42 does. I'd like to go ahead and forward this over to him. How does that sound to you? Okay, great. I tell you what, because of this, I'm going to go ahead and call him to let him know that it's coming. Or would you mind sending this email to him instead and giving him a call to follow up since it's urgently needed? Next. Part of that action taking, believe it or not, leads us into problem solving. Many times during the day, we run into problems. And it's really important that we have our problem solving hat on. Problems can come in the form of written content, such as emails or texts, as well as verbally, though there's much less of that nowadays. When you determine there's a problem, it doesn't always mean we have to go into battle stations. We just need to pick apart that problem piece by piece, kind of like the old saying, how do you eat an elephant, bite by bite, and determine the best cause for action, like we talked about earlier. I have to admit there have been times in my past where, for example, with email, that I noticed this email was extremely lengthy, there was a large request of information in it, or the email was um, potentially very emotional and targeting me, complaining about me or something I did or haven't yet completed on time, and I probably put that in what I'll call a parking lot. I probably parked that in another folder such as to work on or actions to be completed. Now, part of that, I have to admit, is a bit of procrastination. The other was taking the action not to take action, as I mentioned earlier. I simply dragged, clicked and dragged that file over, that email over, to another folder saying, I'll get to it soon. That's okay making that decision, as long as I don't do that too frequently. With that problem-solving hat on, as you go through your day, there's something I would like you to keep in mind. The value that you add to your company and the value you add in your position. Don't be what I call a pass-through person. Otherwise, there's much less need for you. I know those words sound harsh, but let me explain. I talked about value addition, the role that you play, and the value that you bring to the table. All companies that hire you, even if it's a nonprofit, for example, have needs that need to be fulfilled. You might be working with an end customer directly, if it's a paying end customer or the receiving end customer, or you have internal customers within your company. You have customers both up and downstream, by the way, as well. When you receive information, or in some cases the request for information, if many of the times you're forwarding it along because you don't know what to do, you don't have the answers, or don't think it is a task that you should be addressing, you're not adding too much value just by passing along the information. That process, unfortunately, could be automated. You could set rules up in your outlook that when it's from this person on this topic, forward it along to this team member or this group so that they can address it. I take things and look at them differently, and I approach them with, okay, number one, is this a topic or area that I'm familiar with? Number two, what value can I add by addressing and responding to this person's request or email? Number three, who are the people that need to know? Too many times we send out emails that blast out to large audiences. It's a lot better to minimize the people that are on the response list unless your company has a specific 
communication plan in place that requires mass or large email audiences to be sent to. Sometimes it's just best to keep it between you and the requester. Now, if there's someone else that can contribute to your response because you've answered a portion of the email, okay, tell the requester back that you've gone ahead and answered the portions that you felt the ability to contribute to, and that you've also requested the help of person X. Not only can that person potentially validate your statements, but also contribute to the rest of the conversation, the rest of the email, and you could potentially close that response. The point about the value addition is, try not to be a pass-through person, and if you currently are, or stopped in your tracks when you heard this podcast and said, you know what, I do that all too often, that's good, that's great, in fact, that you recognize that. Think about it from your employer's viewpoint. What value is Craig providing? What value is Joe? What value is Cindy providing if they're not frequently doing the work and rather just forwarding the information along for others? Find out what your weaknesses are. Find out what the company is truly asking of you. Just have those conversations very carefully and very cautiously. Frame your conversations in a way that you'd like to learn more about what is being asked of you so that you contribute and provide more value. Any employer would love to hear that you want to bring more value to their company, more value to the job. Do it respectfully and with strong enthusiasm. Certainly don't go in there cocky or highly strong on emotion if you've just had a difficult conversation on the phone or a heated text battle or email battle. Make sure you go in in a nice, calm, focused manner and have that conversation if you realize you'd like to add more value to your company. Now, with that said, we've just talked about you potentially recognizing some areas of weakness, improving your communication styles listening skills, deciphering and decoding when you receive messages or requests for information, your processing skills, what you're planning to do to respond, which leads us into decision-making and action-taking. From there, your problem-solving and adding value. All that sounds great, but guess what? Now we need to know when to say when. We need to know what our limitations are. Otherwise, we could be caught with taking on too much, becoming overloaded, and actually becoming counterproductive. Speaking of knowing when to say when, I'm going to put the wraps on episode 63, Your Career Growth Limitations, and close part two. Please join me next week where we complete this series and wrap up with some great final content. I'm always up for hearing from you. You can talk to me through social media at Craig Ansel, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Contact me by email directly, Craig at CraigAnsel.com, as well as visit our completely redesigned website, CraigAnsel.com, and grab some of our great free resources.